Hi, I'm Darcy Myro. I'm an artist and I live and work in Brooklyn, New York. I was born and raised in Detroit or suburban Detroit. I spent a good part of my childhood making an army of pantyhose dolls. This was the 70s when people wore pantyhose. And I collected my mom and her friends' pantyhose, and I made an entire village of pantyhose dolls with all sorts of objects sewn to them. And I introduced them to my extensive stuffed animal collection for everyone to live among me in this created village. It was my dream world and I was unhappy in this conservative suburb. It allowed me to live in my imagination and momentarily alter my reality. My mom was the art critic for the Detroit Free Press for the first 18 years of my life. And she toted me to many of her interviews. At the time, of course, I was a kid who thought I was going to work with my mom, not realizing that having a conversation with Yoko Ono was going to inform my life's work. And meeting Keith Haring and talking to him was going to blow my mind. But in hindsight, when I look back, those times enabled me to find confidence at such a young age and to empower me to think outside the box. I made some jewelry and wove in high school. Then I went on to Rhode Island School of Design where I studied jewelry and metalsmithing. I left RISD after one year. Um, I wasn't quite ready for that level of in classroom commitment to work. I still had so many questions of my own that I needed to answer before I was ready to sit still. And I moved to Nepal and I lived there for eight months. I lived in the Solkumbu region, um, not too far from Everest Base Camp. And I lived with a yak herder named Isani who was about four foot eight, and her herd of 115 yaks in knacks. A knack is a female yak. She lived in a goat, which is a stone structure that has a fire pit and a little bit of space on either side of the fire pit inside um, so that you can sit by the fire and cook or lay down to sleep. I lived outside in a tent Isani and I walked the Himalayas every day, all day, herding the yaks and taking the yak fiber and spinning it on drop spindles that we made with sticks and then weaving that yarn that we spun into blankets on the backstrap looms that we made with sticks in leather. And then we took those weavings that were blankets and we sold them at the local market. It was at this point that I realized that process was my art, that I thrived during the process, 
that I questioned and answered during the process, that I wasn't a planner, but that my process was taking me to the emotion I was striving for and the satisfaction I was hoping to find. Then I moved back to the States, went back to RISD and finished my work there. After graduating, I was invited to show at the Suzanne Hilberry Gallery with Yoyoi Kusama. It was an unparalleled experience for me to show alongside one of my most imaginative mentors. I never had the opportunity to meet her in person, but felt so connected as I too had pain as my motor. And I too dreamt in color, vibrant colors and shapes and repetition, creating repetitive surfaces was my meditation, is my meditation. So then I had to decide, am I going into galleries or am I going into stores with my work? Because my work got published in magazines and Jeffrey and Barney's, they were all interested in selling it. So I straddled the line between art and fashion, and I never really fully committed to either side. I had my work on the runway, and I had it in galleries, contemporary jewelry galleries. I just participated in the making of the pieces and allowed the organic sort of twist of life to take it wherever it went after I created them. It was really tough though because I didn't I never felt such a a sense of community or camaraderie within my work. It was still kind of a lonely place to straddle this line. But I chose to sort of wear it as a badge on my sleeve and in the end, it was okay. I ended up meeting Todd Williams and Billy Chen, who were, who are incredible architects working on the American Folk Art Museum in New York City. They invited me to consult on the Folk Art Museum facade. At the time, I was living in California working in a foundry that was an old canning factory. The floor was pockmarked and divot laden, and it reflected real life that happens. We use our floor, we drop things on our floor, we lay on our floor, it absorbs life. And so I made a wax mold directly from the floor of the foundry and I presented it to Todd and Billy and they loved it. And it became the concept for the facade of the Folk Art Museum. And from there I met Will Bruder, I met Peter Marino, I met Diller Scafidio Renfro, I met world-renowned architects and did site-specific installations all over the world. My metal practice is always 
a part of my life's work. Currently, I have expanded my breath to include clay. And this was born out of the dark, funky vortex of COVID that for me was also transcendent in ways. After spending every day steeped in the chaos of tending to my family and my ever-changing body, I found the corpsicle and the vulgarities and the charm. My new work is contemporary matriarchal storytelling with endless plots. It's covertly and overtly feminine because really, I mean, I'm somewhere in between. These works are for functional art lovers who want to adorn their walls with a mirror that masquerades as a mirror so they too can masquerade. Because for all of us, I feel as though freedom of expression is important. And my work is, my dreams are now, my ideas are now in clay. My work is my dreams, is my ideas. I have to follow. And so we shall see where my dreams take me. And working in clay has been an incredible pivot. So now I'm integrating metal into the clay pieces, adding even more function to even more art. The next piece I'm working on is a cuff bracelet that attaches to a clay corner wall piece with a mirror and a shelf and a shoe. So we'll see. Thanks so much for listening, for accompanying me on this journey. And I look forward to sharing more. Have a nice day. Okay, bye.